0: Welcome to In Step with Broadway Dance Lab, a podcast that explores the practice and process of becoming a choreographer. Today, a conversation with BDL's founder and artistic director, Josh Prince.
1: One of the things I always say is you can't hide who you are behind your artistry. There's no way to really... I could be a chameleon of sorts, but... there's always something in there I mean one of the one of my favorite feedbacks I ever get is I saw you in that I saw you up there Mm -hmm. like I saw you up there which is a total stroke of the ego but at the same time I think that's you know that's the that's creation
0: a successful Broadway performer and choreographer Josh's work can currently be seen on Broadway in beautiful the Carol King musical and in Trevor the musical which is currently making its world premiere at writers theater in Chicago Today, I discuss Josh's thoughts on training and getting started in the world of theater, his inspiration and motivation for founding a brand new 501c3 dedicated to dance making,
1: and the tools he finds useful when approaching his choreographic work. If all you've ever done is work with grade school kids, and you come into BDL and you work with the creme de la creme of dancers in New York City and you craft something for yourself and you realize that you can do it and that you did it successfully or that you did it in a different way than you would have ordinarily and you take that information forward in your life and it just will change your perception of yourself and change the way you decide to go forward with things you create.
0: I'm Nick Kepley, Director of Communications for Broadway Dance Lab and your host for today. Stay with us. So the the first question I want to ask you is just how dance came into your life.
1: It's a really actually great question because I um, have had a really I think unique road with dance. I started um, dancing when I was five. Uh, my friend uh, Janice Dobson, <laughs> who I used to play with as a kid, I went to take tap class, and I wanted to uh, just join her because I thought it—I don't know—sounded like fun. And I took to tap really quickly. And then at the studio was a uh, a jazz class that I would see every day before a tap class, and that was, like, really exciting to me. And then my jazz teacher said, you can't continue taking jazz until you take ballet. Um, and that was when I was nine. So I started tap when I was five and ba- uh, jazz when I was seven and ballet when I was nine. And I, I started doing theater in Indianapolis, Indiana, where I grew up when I was seven. So the combination of those things just kind of set me on a path to dancing. But I honestly didn't think I would... I don't. Know, I just never really thought i would dance for a living until i was in high school like a junior in high school and i just kind of had been doing musical theater in high school and area community theaters and things and things had gone well for me um i was a boy who danced and sang so you know one can draw their own conclusions but um, it did go well for me, so I thought, well, why don't I just pursue this as a career? I do love it, so um, why not? But I was really more... Uh, I used dance kind of as a um, a way uh, to do musicals, you know, to sing and, and to act. So I went to college, the Cincinnati College Conservatory of Music, and got my degree in musical theater, which is, you know, um, there was a, a real strong bend towards acting with then singing and, of course, dancing as well, but it was definitely... Uh, heavy on the acting training and the singing training. Uh, when I got to the city, I just started auditioning for shows and I did shows like Cats and West Side Story and, you know, all of the shows that, you know, dancers do except I didn't ever do things like Fosse or um, I, I never quite was that dance. I was never that dancer, really. Um, I never even really saw myself as that dancer because I was really intending to act. Um, maybe, you know, I would certainly see myself as a Cosmo Brown and Singing in the Rain, you know, somebody who, who, again, had to dance as part of the storytelling of the show as a whole, but not as the, the kind of solo mode of storytelling. And so actually, as a young adult pursuing acting, I gave up dancing as time went on because I wasn't really taken seriously as a singer and as an actor if I was dancing. Um, and so I stopped auditioning for those ensembles, I stopped auditioning for those dance things, and um, I kind of gave up dancing, and I um, ended up in LA, and I uh, was pursuing film and television, and a friend of mine who said, you should come to ballet with me, he's just uh, a fan of ballet, going we to class. and. Uh, um, I decided to go back to uh, class, and I really just kind of started to enjoy it more as an adult who had actually kind of given it up. And then I applied for Dance Break, the showcase for choreographers, and, you know, the road rose to meet me in a big way, and I launched my career as a choreographer.
0: And uh, when you were younger, you know, at what point did you sort of begin to realize that this is something that you could actually pursue as, as a career? I mean, was your family Are there there any performers in your family or, you know, how did you... Makes me laugh. (laughs) They
1: always, they would laugh at that question. (laughs) Um, I came from, my mother's an art teacher. Uh, My father is a a lawyer and and my brother is a musician. We were, arts was just really encouraged in our household. And I was very lucky that no one ever told me not to. And I think part of it was that I achieved some success at it. You know, it was very... Evident that I was a good dancer, you know. I was, I had good training, and I did love it, and I had natural facility for it, and so I think that made it a little special in its way, and therefore it was encouraged. And
0: and so let's talk about training a little bit. Like uh, you said, that your your training was pretty strong, but. You know, like what are some things looking back that you maybe wish oh, you, yeah. you had more of, or that you think is is lacking in a yeah. lot of dance training in, in the country? Mm. Or?
1: I think ballet. I wished I had studied ballet, classical ballet training, a bit more heavily. Um, I think there are pros and cons to me not doing that, but um, I definitely wish that. I I kind of wish now that I come up in a time of hip hop a little bit more. I was not. My age bracket didn't. We didn't study hip hop. That was not. Um, that was not what we did in the 80s. I mean, there was. It was not what it is now. Um, not in the eighties, and I'm dating myself. But it definitely was not part of it. We learned to moonwalk and stuff like that. But, but I do think today's what I see with dan- young dancers today is a kind of. Um, I don't want to say a lack of, but I do think the emphasis is not quite as much on that classical. Training of the plié, you know, the, the the down into the floor, the feeling of the floor, the plié, just in general, the plié and the stretch that comes from taking ballet so um, so hardcore, you know, to really understanding the nature of weight transfer. And that I think I actually got through tap, to be honest, more than I got it through but I definitely am a big, big tapper, and that influences my work in a big way, rhythm and tap. I just, it influences, I don't tap much anymore, but it's just a huge influence. Um,
0: so will you talk us now through a little bit of your performing career? I'm, I'm particularly curious to hear what it was like for you like when you first moved here. Yeah. You know, what, what was auditioning like? What was your first like big break? Like, How did that all happen?
1: Well, it was obviously different than it is today. I mean, it was just becoming an agent-driven business, I think, when I moved here. Um, I moved in 1996, um, and it was st- you could still potentially afford your own apartment on your own. I My first, it, you know, it was kind of like, um, you know, there are principles that remain the same. I mean, pounding the pavement is pounding the pavement. I was very lucky that because I went to CCM and I... Got an agent after college, so I did have representation after college, so that was a big help. And that was through a showcase. Correct, yeah, through my senior showcase, and uh, I had an agent, and so I had someone to champion me in that way. At the same time, um, one of the good things about New York in general is, uh, versus L.A., let's say, is you can go to an open call. I mean, you can self-submit in ways, in certain ways, as a dancer, particularly. I think that's the one leg up that dancers have for Broadway, is that you absolutely can end up being seen for a show, particularly as a boy. But I, my big first big break, I would say call it a break, would be my Equity Card Cats, the Cats Tour. Um, and you know, cats have been running a long time at that time. I mean, a long time. And I just remember thinking, Oh, cats, like, <laughs> <laughs> really? Um, uh, you know, cause I was, you know, young and dumb, but, um, I, it got me my equity card. I mean, here I am thinking, Oh gosh, I'd really like to stay in New York. But, um, but it was, you know, of course, a life-changing experience in many ways and an incredible experience. And cats is, um, what's the word? It's, it's now and forever. It's now and forever. <laughs> it is. Um, it's cats is musical theater boot camp. You know, mm-hmm. between the makeup and the the body work and the singing and you know the athleticism of it and the the popularity of it as a musical. I mean, it, the touring was was difficult, and um, and I wasn't even there very long. I mean, it was called Short Timer. I was there seven months. So, but I always am grateful for that experience. I mean, to this day, I'm so grateful to have been a part of the Cats thing. Um,
0: And then Little Me was your first Broadway show? That's
1: right. Yeah, Little Me with Martin Short and Faith Prince, um, directed by Rob Marshall. Um, And... I had the experience, I think, that so many people have with their first Broadway shows, which I was just over the moon about it. You know, I I was so excited and so thrilled. I was also swinging that show, which was a whole nother psychology and something, again, I'm very grateful for. And was also challenging at the time because I was so young. I'm not sure I understood what emotionally that... Would be like,
0: and then uh, Saturday Night Fever.
1: Next. Yeah, Saturday Night Fever was next, um, and uh, I mean, of course, we're making this sound like a very uphill climb. there was a like show business, it's very much a roller coaster ride of no work in the middle, and what am I going to do? And I'll just go out of town for you know a gig, but. Saturday Night Fever was next and I understudied uh, the role of Bobby C and that was a fascinating experience too because I never would have cast myself in that part. Um, You know, a lot of times we go after roles that you're like, I know I can play that part and that was an interesting experience because I didn't feel, I, I was like, really? I know, I feel like I know 15 people who could sing this better you know Um, and, and I I really enjoy singing you know and I enjoyed it then but as far I just never conceived of myself as that part and it was a good life lesson for me too that I pass on to younger actors it's like don't Basically, don't decide for other people what they think of you. You know, go in, put yourself out there, be as open as possible to their interpretation of you. Um, Just because you were branded in college as something doesn't mean that in the professional world, you will be branded the same way.
0: So that's the conversation about type. You know, sometimes school's, will encourage you to sort of figure out your type very early, but you're saying maybe that it's, it's so good to be a little looser. It's
1: very dangerous, I think. And actually, it only works if you're really an ingenue. You know, if you're a young, handsome guy or a young, pretty young woman who is the ingenue type. I mean, the boards on Broadway are are just littered with You know, more characterful types who in college did not fit into an archetype or didn't, they didn't know what to do with necessarily, or they're, you know, they said, you're going to have to wait forever. And, you know, they, a lot of people do wait, you know, they wait a decade. You know, Faith Prince said to me, and little me, like, you know, it took me 10 years to get my first Broadway show. And I'm sitting there, I'm 23. And she's like, you know, listen, Pisher, (laughs) you know, I, you know, it took me 10 years. How long everyone waits for? For their break is up to them, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, ten years is a very long time. I said, I said to her, "Well, yes, once you, once you made it, you were nominated for a Tony, you know." But, um, it, but at the same time, it is it is always a roller coaster ride, and everyone's journey is different. I mean, that's the that goes to one of my pieces of advice I give to every young choreographer who asks me, or everybody who asks me, don't let anyone ever tell you there's one way to get somewhere. You know, in this business, It just. You have to follow your instincts, my you know, and you also have to let the universe or the you know the, the the theater industry kind of sometimes say, Hey, I don't care whether you want to or not, you're gonna have this life experience. Mm-hmm. Or whether you think you should or think you need it or 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 whatever, here's what's gonna be. And if you're wise, you'll jump into it and, and try to learn from what it's trying to teach you.
0: Mm-hmm. So how did choreography creep its way into your life? What was your first...
1: Oh, gosh. Oh, that's... Yeah, so um, when I was acting, I would always take jobs um, that came up. Another thing I tell young choreographers seeking to do it is you just... I'm going to give them the advice that was given to me in college, which is you just say you do it. Um, I think it was Tommy Walsh that said that to me. Anyway, a couple of people actually said it. You know how do you how do you end up choreographing? That was another thing throughout college. I was I just knew I would do. it. I just knew I wanted to direct and choreograph. And I don't know that I thought it would come in this way or this early in my life, but um, I got that advice. Just say you do. You just say you do it. And there's so much truth to that you know, you just have to put it out there. And so I started putting it out there and it, you know, it started coming back to me. Um, I did some regional theater jobs um, and quite frankly, when I decided to switch careers from acting, when I decided I kind of fell out of love with auditioning and decided to move from LA back to New York and pursue choreography, I applied for Dance Break, this showcase, and I was chosen as one of six choreographers and the day that I presented Jason Moore, the director of Shrek, the musical was in the audience. And three weeks later I was offered that job. I mean, it was so, I call it my Shirley MacLaine moment because, you know, she went on understudied for, um, I think it was what Sweet Charity. No, it was Pajama Game. Sorry. That I think she was the understudy for Carol Haney, and Carol Haney I think it was broke her foot or something, and she went on, and the rest is history. But I think it it, it was so outrageous my transition in that way that people who I knew on the street were like, I didn't even know you choreographed. You know, I wasn't pursuing that, and I had been in L.A. and I had actually not. Kept my finger on the pulse of musical theater even at all. I was like, oh yeah, there's music that's happening. I was living in LA pursuing other things and yeah, I was gonna ask
0: after
1: uh, until that uh, full full shows happening. Um full shows one, two, three, about three or four. I mean, it was about- <laughs> <laughs> Well, I kept my cool uh, in the room and then I freaked out for about a month straight. Or two months straight. I mean, I I had... I actually... I think I got somewhat ill because my adrenaline was so all over the map for so long because I I couldn't really even take it in, you know? I mean, you have to understand, too, that those contracts take months and months and months to complete, you know? So um, there's a lot of, like, waiting for the other shoe to drop or, you know, is this really happening? Blah, blah, blah. So I think... I was also quite naive and I was quite young, so I just... I remember someone from I think NPR asked me at an interview, like, Were you ever were you scared or nervous? And I said, No. <laughs> you know, I really wasn't. I I felt like I understood the material and I felt excited to do what I But, you know, as Broadway shows are. Um, yeah, well,
0: let's go ahead and talk about that. I and mean, I'm sure we could spend an entire you know podcast just talking about Shrek the Musical. Yeah. But, you know, just kind of the highlights of what that experience was like for you, what you learned. And, yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, gosh, they could fill a book. I mean, I'm trying to think of where to even begin. I think what I learned the most is um, the nature of collaboration when it comes to Particularly when it comes to making theater in a corporate setting. You know, DreamWorks um, that produced, that's a very corporate setting to make, in which to make art. So the combo platter of those two things coming together um, is a particularly unique uh, environment. It really is. And it's particular, you know, when you're spending, you know, many millions of dollars. Um, The stakes are higher. And one of the things, you know, I definitely took away from that experience is the more money that is spent on a product, the more fear surrounds that product. And the more fear that's involved in the creation of a product of a piece of art, the more um, blockage there is in its creation. You know, fear and art making, you know, art do not really go hand in hand because art making is really reliant on f- freedom of play, you know, and, and if, if you're too afraid to make the wrong move, um, I can't say I, I could, uh, impart wisdom to a young choreographer, uh, regarding the art of choreography, With regards to Shrek, I would be able to impart a lot of wisdom with regards to uh, working with large teams of people. I used to say, you know, imagine the apartment building you're in and and you all have to tell the same story and make it look like you all agreed on how to tell it. That is really what um, kind of what I would call kind of big business corporate art making is about. And that can be so amazing and also very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. To learn more about Josh Prince and Broadway
0: Dance Lab, visit www.broadwaydancelab.org. In Step, we'll be right back. Frozen, which is coming to Broadway, and yeah. which I know you worked on for Disney Cruise Lines yeah. uh, earlier this year, but... Um, You know, just artistically speaking, for you, when you were approaching that show, which is so iconic in film formatting, and not even real people, but, you know, Pixar, or, you know, or cartoon, um, you know, how did you approach that? Like, did you, did you try to create, like, a, a movement language that would... Progress through the entire show or did you go number by number or
1: with yeah i definitely went number by number and luckily with frozen you know again experience is a thankful uh thankfully a a good teacher and you know with i'm very fortunate to have had shrek and beautiful the carol king musical both um big brands that people very much care about, and, and, and the same questions arise, you know. They're the same questions when you're dealing with a brand.
0: And uh, usually the choreographer kind of comes in rather late in the game, yeah. uh, you know, collaboratively. Um, you know, do you find that frustrating or difficult? Or
1: yeah, I, do, I don't necessarily find it frustrating, but I find it detrimental to the growth of the art form um, in certain scenarios. Do I think that every project needs their choreographer on board from the very beginning? Not every project, but I would say every project would benefit from having their choreographer on board at the very beginning. Obviously, I've been in the business long enough to know there are, there are you know, monetary concerns and there are, there, I think a lot of people actually don't know um, how to find a choreographer and not all choreographers work in the same way. And, um, you know, I think in some ways choreographers are also, you know, of course, independent contractors. So. If you want a very high profile choreographer to do your show, it's likely that you might want to be like, you know, very feel, you might want to feel, or you might feel the need, I should say, to be fully formed before applying to that choreographer with your piece, you know, rather than say, well, we've got a general idea, will you help us craft it? But I do think so many choreographers out there, and most would be more inclined to help craft the show because I think in terms of the crafting of a musical particularly, um, a choreographer can be incredibly helpful in problem-solving. I mean, I think what people sometimes don't know is that these shows are born in these tiny little rooms at music stands where people come and just hear it read. And that can work. That can work up to the point where then you take it off the music stand and you realize, oh, wait a minute. Physically, in the space, that actually can't even work it works at a music stand as we say that works at a music stand but that doesn't work in real life in the theater
0: you know dance break that's a very unusual circumstance that got you launched um but you know you're talking about how people find the choreographers to bring them on like you know a lot of people go into assisting um but i think a lot of young choreographers are kind of constantly like how just how do i get out there how do I my name out there how do i you know, is it meeting directors? Is it getting an agent? You know, what, how, what would you advise a choreographer who's trying to sort of get themselves launched?
1: Yeah. And I'll go back to what I said earlier, which is as a young choreographer, you have to really believe that it is part of your identity to be a choreographer. And I I think that's important. That's a really important part of it. Um, Because I think if you believe it's part of your identity to do it, like it really lives within you, like this is, this is what I do, um, then you, you start to approach everybody you meet in that way. I mean, once you start to put it out there, what do you do? Well, I love to choreograph, and eventually you're at a party, and someone says, oh, you do? Well, you know, I know somebody who has a project. They're looking for somebody. Do you want to talk to them? And you say, sure. And then all of a sudden, you're doing a nymph show, and all of a sudden— Now, I make that sound very easy, but I'm, I do believe in that. I do believe that putting it out into the ether of the small community that we are in comes back in little ways that then build on themselves the the, the people who've been successful with me are the people particularly me are the people who keep putting themselves in front of me you know, keep saying it, like, keep getting, keep showing up. I mean, it sounds so, so almost too simple, but it's like, you just got to show up. Mm -hmm. You can't sit in front of your TV and wonder why no one's calling you, Mm -hmm. you know, to do stuff. You have to get out in the world and show up. I don't even show up as much as I'd like to for other things. You know, I, I run two businesses basically. And I, but I would like to be able to show up for more things, but I'm like, well, you know, when it is important enough, I will. Um, and I think, I think, that is not to be underestimated. The mm-hmm. notion of just like, I'm here, I'd like to do that. I'm here, I'd like to do that. Mm-hmm. I uh, always tell
0: people that I, the worst that can happen is they say no. That's right. Know, because a lot of my career has been just putting myself out there and being like, I want to do this, can I? And, and either they say yes or no. And, <laughs> and really you're, you're better. either way better off if they say yes or if they just say no, then you just move on.
1: And I think that speaks to a sense of self in the way of that i'm saying if you believe that that is what you are and what you do the no doesn't sting as greatly as if you are worried in some way that you shouldn't be there at all and then when someone says no you take it very personally and it it factors into a whole nother kind of personal equation that Mm -hmm. then shuts you down and i I think when you believe in something uh, when you believe in anything really you just keep the no is not it's hard but that doesn't mean it's devastating
0: right right well I do want to get into BDL yeah. uh, because that's a huge part of your life now <laughs> yeah. Um, <so laughs> yeah it's an understatement yeah, yeah. yeah. so Broadway Dance Lab one c 3 the only one of its kind yeah. um, and uh, you know just talk to me a little bit about what it is why you started it and Mm-hmm.
1: Well, actually, after doing Shrek, I, uh, uh, you know, Shrek was very, I was very fortunate. I mean, obviously, extraordinarily fortunate. But one of the, one of the amazing things about a successful show is that um, it has many incarnations. You have a Broadway company, you have a national tour, you have a London company um, and a UK tour. But that takes a lot of time in your life. You know, it takes years. It took years for me to do Shrek. And I turned around um, and now, during that time, I had done, yes, a concert here or there at Carnegie Hall or the Kennedy Center or something like that. Those are one night only concert events. They may be a 10 day experience. But I did deeply believe that and because it happened so quickly for me, because it happened quickly, I realized, oh, now people are going to call me and I need to be practiced at what I do. I need to I need to have this under my belt there, you know, I like to work with dancers, what I call dancers with a capital D. I mean, with Shrek, you have Papa Bear and you have an egg and then things, you know, people, you know, in plastic costumes. So I, you know, I'm like, well, I, if I'm going to do another piece of ballet, let's say like I did it um, at um, a Lincoln Center, then uh, for Camelot, then I need to practice that more and more. How do I do that? How do I practice my craft? How do I also take this piece that I have on my iPod? How do, I, how do I get in a room and do that? Well, okay, I know how everyone does that. You ask your friends to do that and you rent a room. Okay, well, let me go do that and see what happens. So I've turned around after practicing this idea of asking basically 15 friends to come in a room for two days. I did my own pre, what we call pre-production. I did my own work beforehand. and I. I spent two days with these people in the room, and here's what happened. I lost $1,000 on space rental alone because I didn't pay these dancers. And then the first day, I ended up just teaching what I had kind of created on my own. And then the second day, I lost two people. And I had to spend the second day teaching, putting people into the number, like scrambling for new dancers the night before, instead of continuing to explore the idea, which I really thought had legs— um, and then I just gave up on the idea, and I just thought this model is really broken, and where Where else are my contemporaries doing their work? and I just looked around and I realized that didn't exist, and so I thought I would like to try to make that and um, and we 're still learning you know after you know our fourth year we 're in our fifth year now but um, but in October two thousand and twelve i launched I launched uh, my own lab and then the next year I repeated it to uh, try again and And it was just
0: you with the dance that's correct
1: that was and I I, uh, I brought in one other choreographer for like an after for for one session I think that that year but it wasn't until the following year that I that I opened the doors and invited six other choreographers to come and work on the company.
0: And is there a showing at the
1: end of this? There is. There's an open studio showing. So we used to do galas where we would show the model. And now we will still do that. But um, we are opening our doors to... uh, open studio showings, in which uh, our choreographers are able to dialogue with our audience about what they 're exploring, we are definitively not a showcase, although you know by the nature of presenting work you know, you are showcasing material, but we, we, um, we are an incubator. We are a dance, uh, and choreography incubator. And so what the audience comes to look at there is to see the process that the choreographer chose. I always do comedy. I wanted to try something serious. I always do something serious. I wanted to try something funny. I never tell stories in my work da- in downtown dance. I'd like to do that. I've always wanted to do that. Or I have always been, um, choreographing for singers who move well, I really want to work on something more contemporary um, to stretch myself. And basically, you know, every artist has the right basically to go do that if they choose. A painter can paint whatever they want, but they can do a portrait, or they could do a landscape, or they could do a watercolor, and no one gives them grief about it you know but as a choreographer there's a huge double standard well you are a hip-hop choreographer therefore you are not a broadway choreographer or you're a broadway choreographer therefore you are not a contemporary or a a concert dance choreographer or a ballet choreographer it's it's just a it can feel quite limited and i think in turn that stifles the actual art form from growth
0: and uh, the company has been featured in a lot of really impressive publications, The Wall Street Journal, Dance Magazine, playbill.com An American Theater Wing, NYC Arts, and uh, even was presented to Guggenheim.
1: Wow, that so, sounds really good. Yeah, yeah right, yeah. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice list, wow. List, That's, yeah. wow, when you say it like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, year five. Yeah, wow. Um,
0: yeah. yeah. And which, it, it being only year five and, and having all of that, and all of these choreographers, if you say, you know, pounding down your door to, to have this opportunity, I mean, I, that seems to speak to the immense need for something like this. It kind of shocks me that nothing like this is out there already
1: yeah you know people say that to me have said that to me like i can't believe something like that doesn't exist and um you know i think it was a combination of things you know it's one thing for me to sit here and talk about how great it's going which it is but it's going great because other people have also said hey let me help you that's a great idea you know hey here's here is financial support because that is something that we need more of it takes a village to make Broadway Dance Lab happen,
0: and we depend on the support of organizations and individuals who believe in our mission, and who want to help us nurture the next generation of choreographic talent. To learn more about how you can get involved, or to make a donation, please visit broadwaydancelab.org. In Step, we'll be right back. That um, makes me want to kind of go back to talking about your your process, you know, I'm I'm curious because I I feel like most artists, you know, all artists really, when you first start, a lot of times it's kind of mimicking what you've seen or your influences or mm-hmm. things that you, you know, and that a lot of times people say that's that's an important part of the process yes. and a necessary part, and that's kind of how you learn. I certainly feel that that's been true for me. I mean, I look back at some old wannabe Christopher Wilkins stuff that I used to make. <laughs> well, that's like, a good wannabe. You know, that's yeah. good. Because, um, you know. But I feel like, uh, you know, where I'm at... Myself in in my process and career, like within the last you know two to three years, has really been a big moment for me to be like, I think I'm I think I'm at least starting to see what my point of view is. Yeah. What you know, what my my language is, and, and what I want to say. Um, and I'm curious, like when and how that happened for you.
1: Oh, I don't. I still. Th- it's funny. I I still am in that process. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I. That's a really good question. I I don't know that I have the answer for that. I don't know. I think in some ways it's always evolving, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think, um, I, I, it's funny. My husband has said to me, like, I, you know, he, I, I can recognize, I recognize your Voice or your style, and I, there, there. I'm like, really, <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, I maybe because I'm inside my own whatever. But I, I know what you mean because I see it in others. I think um, because I have been a chameleon a bit in the world of choreography. You know, Shrek is not beautiful, which is not Frozen, which is not Trevor, which is not. So I. I was teaching a master class the other day, and the person who ran the master class said to me, "Actually, it was Melinda Atwood who ran who runs Dance Break, um, who, which gave me my break." And she said, "I didn't know you were so ballet based." And I, you know, I'm like, "Yeah, well, I'm not really ballet based. I just love ballet, and I love incorporating that into my work." But I, what the reason I tell the story is because. There's a lot I think about me that people who've known me for a long time even say, "I didn't know that about you I didn't know that's what you wanted to choreograph I'm like well i don't it's what I want to choreograph today, and um, I think there are principles behind the choreography and i I kind of imagine this is what you mean when you you talk about um, where you've gotten to because I do understand what you're saying. the principles behind what I enjoy and what i what I want to craft rem- are coming to be mine and coming to be my own. Well,
0: I think it's also having a sense of not not even necessarily like stylistically not not to say that like every number you'll make from now on will kind of look the same or have you know the same Kimball change potter beret. <laughs> How would you know? Yeah, yeah, good yeah, <laughs> yeah. but um, but just that you have that you start to begin to feel like you you do have something to say. Like I think that for me, you know, it was years of of. Am I? What do I have something to contribute to this field? You know, like yeah. am I am I necessary and 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 yeah. vital to the field, or am I just kind of trying to do this? And and it's been a, a process of being like, yeah, I think I do have something to say, right. like you know, or, or something to add to
1: it. That's I mean, that's a very powerful feeling, and I think, in some weird ways, I guess I always felt that going in. Mm. Um, I think I don't I didn't feel like it was infallible. Right. I, I think I felt like when I was doing my, you know, Chris Wielden impressions, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> you know, I, if some reason, something in my brain was like, yes, that's what I, you know, I'm doing great. Yeah. But, um, but at the same time, I'm excruciatingly hard on myself to grow and be different and, and challenge myself to be, I, I agree. I think that is an artist's struggle. You know, why me? Why should I, why would anyone, you know, want to see this over the Pina Bausch that's down the street. I mean, you know, or the whatever, pick the, pick, pick the dance, the uh, the dance artist, you know, over, over the Andy Blankenbuehler or over the, there's certain people though, you can say, I know their work is extremely different than what I'm interested in, you know? Um, But then there are people where it gets a little, it gets a little closer, you know, like, so what is the difference here? What is the boundary? And I actually think, I think what you speak to a lot of times has to do with just getting older. I I think a lot of it has to do with um, coming to terms with trusting one's intuition and who I am as a person, let's say, is like, that's just going to come out. One of the things I always say is you can't hide who you are behind your artistry. Just you, There's no way to really, I could be a chameleon of sorts, but I, I, there's always something in there. I mean, one of the one of my favorite feedbacks I ever get is I saw you in that. I saw you up there. Like I saw you up there, which is a total stroke of the ego. But at the same time, I think that's, you know, that's the, that's creation. You are creating something from nothing that is of you. So it is a compliment to hear. I saw you in that. Well, I guess unless they hate you, but, (laughs) but you know, I saw you in that. And actually I think that's true of, you know of people that people don't like too mm-hmm. you know oh they are so oh they're so cold or they're so whatever oh their work yeah and their work seems cold to me or mm-hmm. whatever it is you know but other people like that about the work you mm-hmm. know so i think it's about embracing one's own sense of self and then acknowledging that whatever step you take that's going to come out um so who have who have been your influences oh god that's such a hard question you're welcome. <laughs> uh, you know the the they're the classic influences, of course. There's the you know the work of Robbins and Fossey and Bennett, um, of course. Are I think you know certainly Astaire and Kelly, and you know those are. There's Michael Kidd is a huge influence, I think, but not like something I would. I don't know write an essay on. I just know it when I see it. I'm like, "Oh, right. I used to see that a lot as a kid on, you know, HBO or you know, or tapes that we would get. Yes, VHS tapes that we would get. And I I think um I was also very influenced by Looney Tunes cartoons as a kid, that kind of comedy. Um I am a cartoon. Uh the the Muppets are an influence on me. I mean, I I'm not alone in those influences. I think they were influenced by people of the same ilk. Um, Certainly, I'm influenced by, certainly by Wielden and Peck and, you know, Balanchine. Paul Taylor is a very big influence on me. Um, I get to see a lot of his work, luckily, and I am fascinated by a lot of his work. Uh, And there 's just everything I see, I guess everybody i 've worked everything I see everything i 'm in front of influ- does influence me because on the other side of the dance department door is the acting department door and the directing department door you know so the directors i 've worked with the actors i 've seen in the room working who I think are so brilliant, the choreographers um, as a choreographer it 's a little harder because you 're not working generally with other choreographers that's that 's the glory of assisting my, uh, you know I have assistants who um, you know, work with four or five different choreographers. And I'm like, well, that's, what are they like? <laughs> you know, you, you want to like, what do they, what do they like in the room? And um, I think, you know, or BD, the BDL dancers, for instance, they work with all six choreographers or five choreographers. I'm only me, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I do not sit in the room and watch. And I don't, that's, that's not what I do. I get, it's artistic privacy. So um,
0: I think, and I think a big part of that having assisted a good bit is, you know, you, you do learn a lot and take a lot, from the person but also you have some moments where you're watching and you and you have think in your head or at least i have I, I would too. I, I would totally do that differently. And that, yeah, and that's and and at first I would be like, well, that means I'm not right. right. that means I should should think like this. Right, but then one day I remember very clearly having this. No, like it's just different. It's like, just different. And I realized like they're they're putting a show together and they're all making their decisions. And if there was a different team, they would make different decisions. That's that, right. You know,
1: and that's what's terrifying about it because you know at the end of the day, what's terrifying to people, I think, isn't a lack of choice it's all the choice that that is more mm. challenging it's we can do anything we want here mm. what do you want to do mm. Well, what's, oh God, if you are only given one of two options or even one option, well, guess what? There's no way to get off stage except downstage left. Well, there you go. We're registering downstage left. I mean, there's, I don't, you know, there's no, nothing to, okay, well, now do you want the door when you're designing the set? Do you want the door upstage right, downstage left, or center upstage or center down? Oh, well, I haven't choreographed it yet. So now I have to choose where the door goes but maybe before I choreograph it. And where would I want that door? And if I choose the door in the wrong position, is that going to screw up everything? Right. You know.
0: What is your relationship like uh, when you watch your work? For me, like it's, it's been, um, this summer in particular, I had an experience where I really was trying to make myself watch it as the audience member. Because like, yeah. I feel like a lot of times I'll spend a lot of time kind of living it as I watch it, yeah. not releasing. Yeah. And and then whenever, when you get to showtime, then you kind of have to release. And I actually kind of love that feeling of, like, well, there's nothing I can do now. Right. They're, they're up there. But yeah. I tried this time to get there sooner, like, in the room. I tried to, oh, right. know, let me release back and, like, watch this as an audience member and see if the story really is being told or if I'm just telling it to myself in my own head and then trying to make them tell it,
1: you know. It's a smart exercise. Um, and a hard one because you're in it. And you're inside it no matter what you do. Um, What is my relationship like? It depends on the project. It depends on how confident I feel in the dancers in front of me, I think, to take the reins. You know, sometimes it's like I don't have to give you the most specific. Like, you're going to step on your right. You're going to jump onto your left. You're going to turn around over your... I say, I want you to cross the room and make make it spin. You know, and then I can kind of... I can step away from the work a little bit more in that kind of world. I mean, I think there are a lot of ways to make a piece. I mean, when I'm working with kids, let's say out of town, it's very much, uh, Let me, I'm going to show you how this is done, really, because you're, you know, 12 or whatever it is, um, but you, I still try to pull out of them what they do or what they're good at, you know, what they do well. Um, but I think watching my own work is always through, uh, it's, it depends on the day. It depends on the lens. It depends on who else is watching over my shoulder. It depends on whether I, yeah, I'm alone. Um, it depends on what the audience is for the piece. Um, and ultimately I, Once they hit the stage, I do try to let my assistants and associates nitpick more. And I also have learned over the years, much to my detriment. But, I mean, you know, as a dancer, because as a dancer, and as a swing, and as an understudy, I used to be like a steel trap. But now I really try to release my own work once I've put it up. I try to not hold it, because... As, as kind of embarrassing as that can be sometimes when you're like what is it what is this again that we do and you're like oh I am not the choreographer like I'm supposed to know these things but not really because my job isn't to dance it really my job is to mold it or to craft it or to shape it or to you know to create it but then if I hang on too tightly then when changes are necessary I can't make them mm-hmm. I can't just go okay cut that four counts of eight go from there to there Mm -hmm. because I'm too connected to, oh, but it's the right foot. Mm -hmm. You know, but how do I get from the right foot over to the, well, if I wasn't connected to that, well then make the other part, the left foot. And then we're back on, you know, it doesn't, it's, I'm not connected Mm -hmm. to a a judgment about the piece too early on. And even after it's done, because unfortunately, you know, you go, well, or fortunately you go to Broadway, you get your show. It's a big hit. You go on tour and all of a sudden it's like, guess what? We have one less wing. So, you know, you got to redo all of that. Mm-hmm. And so, if the looser you can stay in the creative process, or at least looser I can stay, I feel like it has benefited me more mm-hmm. creatively.
0: Mm-hmm. The last question I I think I want to kind of always ask people on this uh, program is just why dance? What is it about? Why the language of dance?
1: Such a great question too. And I think, you know, I'm always so curious to hear different people's response to this. And I've asked myself this too, especially creating a nonprofit organization specifically dedicated for dance. Just to go back to your very first question about how did I get into dance? I danced because I could, and I danced because I really did love it, you know, but, um, but I... I have a weird road as a dancer. I I would uh, cover parts, and I could be in ensembles because I danced. And I I believe in the art form. I believe that it is necessary part of the musical theater vocabulary. Um, I grew up with it, and I grew up singing, dancing, and acting at the same time altogether. That's what helped tell the story, and that's what made a, an American musical so beautiful to me, so wonderful to me, so unique to me. It's really something that we have made as Americans. Um, But that said, when it came down to, hey, do you want to spend your life making a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to dance? Why you? Why me? Who, Who will listen to me? I am not... You know, I am not Andy Blankenbuehler with three Tony Awards, and I am not, you know, um, I am not Justin Peck at City Ballet. Who is Josh Prince to say this needs to exist? And the bottom line is, who am I not to say it exists? And it just is me. And also, um, to to go ahead and embrace it, I had to answer that question: Why dance? And I think dance is it is the physical experience expression of life force. I mean, period. It is what babies, kids do. It is what we do to party. It is a natural kind of expression of life force. Um, we are physical people. When we are grieving, we're physical. When we are celebrating, we're physical. When we're in love, we're physical. Um, we, it is, that is a type of dance to me. You know, All of that is, is a type of dance. It's physicalized life. And I guess if, you know, if one is to look around at the world going by them and look at it as a dance, as a really intricate dance, that is dance, you know. And, and I often teach master classes to actors who, you know, are scared of dance um, and try to demystify um, what dance is. You only have two feet. You only have a right and a left. Um, sometimes it's used, technique is used to get to a different look. But uh, oftentimes it's not. Um, and so I think dance, to me, is, is life, really. And it, it is mobility, you know. And immobility really is, you know, is death, really. Um, so that's, that's kind of a deep answer to, you know, that question. <laughs> yeah, I
0: love it. Well, thank you. This has been lovely and, and very inspiring. And, thank you, Nick. Yeah, thanks for talking to us. <laughs> In Step is created by Broadway Dance Lab and recorded, edited, and hosted by Nick Kepley. You can listen to this podcast again, access our archives, and learn more about the company by visiting broadwaydancelab.org.